Hello everyone and welcome back to Inside Art Scroll, where the books you read and the people who write them come to life. We are joined today by Rabbi Yaakov Bijou, the author of Let's Talk Living Amuna, and we're also joined by three wonderful guests, sixth graders from Yeshiva Sharei Torah in Brooklyn. So boys, if you could introduce yourself, please. My name is Morris Hafez. Thank you to Mickey, Judah, and Morris for joining us. And Rabbi Bijou, let's start with you. Just give our viewers and listeners an overview of what Let's Talk Living Amuna is about okay. and how you got involved in this project. Okay, okay. Baruch Hashem, I've been a sixth grade Rebbe now for, for many years. And we worked with many different uh, programs on Amuna. And the idea always was to try to get the boys involved, to try to make it hands-on. So over the years, we came up with this concept of not just reading a story as is. You know, stories are unbelievable, and we got inspired by Hashem. But we thought of an idea of how to take the story and try to get the children, the families, the classroom involved in what's going on in the story, the concepts, and try to uh, gain chizik from that. So... It, uh, it evolved into this unbelievable book, Hashem, Let's Talk Living Amuna, where we'll take a story, and many times you'll stop in the middle of the story. Right at the point where the person's in a position of a test, a test of Amuna, and we'll ask the, the Shabbos table, or we'll ask the classroom, what would Hashem want you to do in this situation? Now, if anyone has tried it, and I know many people that did if it's, if, it's, if it's done in that, in that setting, it's amazing how you see one boy says one thing, another boy reacts, another boy says a different answer. And that's why in the back of the book we put possible answers. Why possible? Because there's really these types of questions are touching on many different uh, facets of Amuna, and there's not one answer to, 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 to any of them. So, you know, that was the main focus, that to get the people involved talking about Amuna. Now the book is based, or at least formulated, um, together with the phenomenally successful yes. Living Amuna series written yes. by Rabbi David Asher. Yes. And tell us how that series impacted on the formulation of this book. Well, Baruch Hashem, we, uh, we know Rabbi Asher's series has uh, amazing success and uh, a wealth of, of stories and different uh, areas of Amuna. So that was definitely the number one you know, place to go to work off of that, to take those stories that, that have had the success that it had, Baruch Hashem, and to use those stories and try to take it to another level of this interactive, uh, of this interactive point. So before we do this interactive experience with the boys, uh, if you could tell us what have you heard from people who have read the book, yeah. real-life examples of people who have used it at the Shabbos table yeah. or in other scenarios to spark discussion and really put into people's minds that Amuna stories are not abstract. They really apply in a practical way to our day-to-day -day lives. Right. I'll tell you, uh, Mamish, this morning, after davening, somebody ran over to me and said, we tried it, we tried it for the first time. I threw out the question, and the whole family got involved. One said this, one said that. Uh, you know, anyone that has tried it has, has, come, has, has come back with this feedback that, uh, that, you know, it gets the conversation going. Myself, I just tried it this uh, recently, uh, last Shabbos. There was a story about uh, a boy that had a bar mitzvah. The Rebbe came in to the bar mitzvah, and he's dancing with all the boys, 
and uh, one of the, uh, the the boy, the bar mitzvah boy, had a relative that was uh, not from, wasn't religious, long hair and uh, not keeping Torah mitzvot. And the Rebbe took him in the middle, dancing with him, and uh, they had a beautiful time. And the next day, the Rebbe came to the uh, came back to the school to the yeshiva, and he starts talking to the boys, and he says, "Boys, last night we all met the bar mitzvah boy's cousin, and I need your help. We have to bring him back to Torah mitzvot." So the boys, this bunch of seventh grade boys, they looked at the Rebbe and they said, how can we, how can we bring him back? Uh, how can we help him? He's not even here. He's, we're a bunch of seventh grade boys. So I threw it out to my table. In the book, we stop right there. And we ask, instead of just going on with the story, we ask, what do you think? How could it be that a bunch of seventh grade boys could help this, this boy that's not from, that's not religious? How could they help him get more religious? So one of my children said, uh, maybe make a party for him, invite him over, and try to make care of him. And then uh, my daughter said, daven for him, you can pray for him. So my fourth grade boy jumped up and he says, what do you think, you can pray for anything you want? Hashem's going to answer anything you want? I said, yeah. I said, you know, Hashem, that started a conversation all about tefillah, working or not working. So it was very cute because he threw up his arms and he said, what if I, if I, if I pray right now, if I dive in right now, if a remote control car is going to come down from Shemayim? So, but the point was that it got a whole conversation going about tefillah working, not working on the table. Instead of what would have been, read a story, very nice, and go on. So really the, the feedback has been unbelievable and you know, that's the main message we want to bring out. That it's, if a child reads it on its own, it's beautiful, fun, a lot of good stories and so on. But we want to bring out the point that the main objective of this, of this book is to get the interaction. A mother to read it on the couch with their children, a bedtime, Shabbos table, a classroom. Uh, that, that's, Hashem, that's what we're, uh, we're aiming for. Well, here at Art School, we definitely got that feedback, that it's an unparalleled resource for that type of conversation. So let's get right into it with the boys, and let's okay. have a real-life conversation okay. about one of the stories here. Okay, we're going to read one of the story, boys. Yeah, we have Sukkot coming up, so we're going to read story number four. It's called Sukkah of Peace. Okay? You ready, Mars? Yeah. Okay. So the story goes, Yosef Braun wiped the sweat from his brow. He banged in one less nail and smiled with satisfaction. The Sukkah was complete. His family had just moved to a new neighborhood and they were proud to put up a sukkah in their driveway for the very first time. Later that night, Yosef's neighbor came home. As soon as he noticed the sukkah, he confronted Yosef. You can't put your sukkah here, he yelled. This is exactly where I parked my car. So let's talk about it, boys. Picture yourself in this situation. Think, how would... Hashem want me to react. If you were that, if you were Yosef, you just put up the sukkah, and now the neighbor comes. How would Hashem want you to react, Morris? Hashem would want you to react. Um, he was, he, first thing you should think is that's a test from Hashem, and that Hashem will, you should listen, and that Hashem will help you find a way to, um, he'll find you a different spot, and that you should give in and let him park his car. Beautiful, Morris. Beautiful. Judy, you have anything to add? I think he should not really get upset. Don't start a fight with him. And you should, whatever, if he doesn't give in, then you should try to, you should move the sukkah and let, because he's, that's what he wanted. And you should keep shalom. Keep the peace. Beautiful. Um, I think that if, you, if 
if you realize that it's a type from Hashem and you realize that you you'll get something back from it and, and Hashem always pays you back for it. Beautiful, you say. You never lose. You never lose from doing the right thing. Unbelievable. Beautiful, Mickey. You know what? I just want to see what we put in the back. In the back we have possible answers. Let's I just want to peek. If, you know, I forgot myself what we wrote over here. You go back, story number four. Oh, exactly like we said, boys. Realize that the test from Hashem is one of the possible answers, but you guys added beautifully. So let's see what happened. Yosef remained calm. He did good, Baruch Hashem, right? I'm sorry, I didn't realize, he said. It's a very big driveway. There's plenty of room. Could you possibly put your car in a different spot for the next eight days? The neighbor was very stubborn. No, he replied, this is my spot. Move the sukkah. Yosef was upset. He had spent an entire day building the sukkah with his sons. He thought for a moment and decided, I'm not going to fight. I'm not going to fight with my new neighbor. Instead, I'm going to give in and rebuild the sukkah in a different area. The very next day, Yosef and his sons took apart all their hard work from the day before. They spent a lot of time and energy rebuilding the sukkah a few feet over. On the first night of Sukkot, the Braun family ate in the sukkah, truly a sukkah shalom, all right? The sukkah of peace. Moving the sukkah had been a big job, but they were glad to have avoided machloket. After the meal, Yosef and his sons set up beds in the sukkah. Just as they fell asleep, there was a tremendous crash. They crept out to check what had happened, and they stared in disbelief. A large portion of the building next door had fallen loose. Their neighbor's car was parked in its usual spot, but now was completely smashed. The bronze were very shaken. A few days ago, their sukkah had stood in that exact spot. They clearly witnessed with their own eyes how being mavata had saved their lives. So, boys, unbelievable. It's exactly like Mickey was saying, that you never lose out Right? Here you see it clearly. So I want to ask you boys, what would you call the highlight, the turning point of this story? Judah. I think that the turning point was that he never got mad and he knew, realized it was a test from Hashem and that Hashem ended up showing him what he had in mind. Unbelievable. I mean, that test that he had right there, who knows what would have happened if he failed that test. If he didn't stop and realize that this is a test from Hashem, and then he was able to give in, right, Mickey? Mm -hmm. That's why he was able to come out, uh, okay. Unbelievable, boys. Baruch Hashem. Beautiful. Beautiful. Excellent. Okay. And if you want to do, a, do another one now? Yeah, let's go to another story. Okay. Okay. We'll go straight to another story. Boys. No news is good news. Now, there's five sections in the book. I don't know if we mentioned that there's five different uh, sections in the book. We have Hashkacha Pratis. We have Thank You, Hashem. We have Gamzul Tovah, it's all for the best. We have connecting with Hashem, which is Tefillah. And we have Niflois and meaning uh, all the wonders of Hashem. And the book goes in order, one, five, all these five sections, with a story and a lesson coming out on each one. So now we're going we're gonna to go to Thank You Hashem. We'll do a Thank You Hashem story, okay? This is uh, story number 33. No news is good news. You ready, Judah? Okay. Shabbat Shalom, Shabbat Shalom. It was Shabbos morning and davening had just ended in a small Israeli shul. Men and boys greeted each other joyfully as they headed to the side room of the shul for the weekly Kiddush. This week's Kiddush was sponsored by Mayor Weiss. 
I want to publicly thank Hashem for the refuah shalema he gave me, announced Maya. I recently recovered from a serious illness, and I am donating this kiddush this morning to show my gratefulness to Hashem. This news was greeted with wishes of l'chaim and baruch rof v'choylem. Maya's friends joined him in celebrating this happy news. The next week, the shul's congregants once again gathered after davening. The kiddush donor of the week was Yaakov Kagan. Yaakov stood up to speak, and the crowd hushed. Some of you may have heard that I was in a terrible car accident this week, Yaakov said. My car was completely smashed, and nothing of it remained. I was inspired to sponsor this week's Kiddush because I miraculously came out without a scratch. Yaakov's fellow shul members all crowded around to shake his hand. The words, Baruch Hashem, were on everyone's lips. The following week's Kiddush was donated by the family who had a fire in the house. Everyone got out safely, and, and he wanted to publicly express, express thanks to Hashem. A week later, Nachum Cohen had, compli had a complicated surgery that was successful, and he decided to dedicate a kiddush for that. This pattern continued with members of the shul taking the opportunity to sponsor a kiddush and share their personal thank you Hashem stories. One week, the kiddush donor was Eliezer Newman. He got up to speak, and everyone quietly listened to hear what was his kiddush for. I've been, waiting, I've been listening to all the different speeches week after week, and I was very inspired. He said, I don't have any miracles to tell you about. I was not saved from any difficult sickness. I was not saved from any car crash. My house, Baruch Hashem, did not go on fire. But I wanted to make a kiddush to thank Hashem that none of these things happen, that I am able to go on with my regular life without any disturbances. Unbelievable. We don't think, boys, about the regular things. Let's talk about it. Why do you think we tend to, we tend to take the problem-free, the regular days, the regular gifts for granted? Why do you think... People don't stop to do like this person, to thank Hashem for the regular things. Mars. Because we're already used to it, and we don't really take any time to thank Hashem for it, because we just think it's part of our life, but we don't think that some people really don't have that future that we, are, um, that we have. Beautiful, beautiful. Saying, what is he saying, uh, Judah? He's saying we get, we get used to it, because we have it every day. We don't stop to think. Mickey, what do you want to say? Right, because we're surrounded by it so much, and we say everybody has it, so we don't stop to look at it as a gift, right? Jordan, what do you say? I think it was just that, just like Mara said, that basically everyone thinks that just because every day you go through tons of crazy things that no one, no one ever take, everyone takes for granted because it's just so used to us to happening, and all the things that happen to us in our everyday life is so happens every single day, so no one, everyone takes it for granted, and it's just, you could take a moment to think. I'm amazing, sure. amazing, you know, you know, boys, as we're here, I'm thinking, this is one of the lessons that the rabbis tell us from this whole past corona situation, right? We always took for granted going to shul, we took for granted going to yeshiva, and now we don't take it for granted anymore, but Hashem was so excited to, to get the regular things back, right? At one point, even to walk into a store, to walk outside, to play with my friends. All right, this is a time that we have to stop and uh, thank Hashem for the regular things. 
Does any, any boys want to thank Hashem for something regular, something normal, something that we're used to? Mickey? Beautiful, beautiful. Morris, then I want to thank Hashem that um, I could talk because I have an uncle that can't, and I know it's youth, and I know how he is. So I thank Hashem that I can speak. Beautiful, wow. Judah? I, I, I want to thank Hashem that a lot of people during Corona lost taste and smell. Thank God I haven't lost any of that. Unbelievable. I want to thank Hashem that I got to meet these wonderful <laughs> boys. But I want to add, I think it's a Nisayan, a test from Hashem, that in the world we're surrounded very often by negativity. If you look at the headlines of newspapers, what's on the, head, what's, what's on the front of a newspaper? That everyone got to school safely that day? Usually not. It's usually about tragedies, about things that are bad. And somehow that seeps into our consciousness and we're constantly focusing on the negative. And I think that's one of the nisyonot that the Rabbani Shalom gives us, that he surrounds us by negativity and we still have to fight through and keep appreciating the simple things like our parents, our friends, our great rabbis that we had who are teaching us things, great books to inspire us, an institution like Art Scroll where we're sitting that provides us with volumes to educate us and help us learn Gemara and Chumash and things like that. So there is really so much... And the, to, to be grateful for, and the boys brought it out so beautifully. Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem. Should we do one more? Yes, that one was great. One more story? Okay. We'll go to Hashkacha uh, Pratis, right? Hashkacha Peratit, story 62. This story, a lot of boys know. We'll go to another story now, story 62. This is in the section of Hashkacha Pratis. Hashkacha Peratit. It's called Fully Stocked. You ready? Yeah. Okay. This story is about somebody called Mr. Azar. Mr. Azar was tight on time. He had flown out of Memphis, Tennessee on a business trip, and now it was too close to Shabbos to fly back to New York. He was far away from home with no, plan, no, no plans for meals. He rushed into the nearest hotel and asked for a room. We're pretty empty today, the clerk said. You can have any room you want pretty good in a big hotel. I'm in quite a rush, Mr. Azaz replied. I'll take anything as long as I could get in quickly. It was a large hotel. The clerk gave him the keys to a room, room 358. Okay. He opened the closet to put away his clothing and could not believe what he saw. It was fully stocked with Shabbos food. Fresh, delicious, Shabbos food. There was challah, wine, packed meat. He even found pickles and olives. It was clearly left there by a Jew. So let's stop for a minute, boys. Let's talk about it. If you were in that situation, what are some ways that you would thank Hashem for such a surprise? I just had nothing to eat last minute and I see such a thing. Mickey. Beautiful. Extra covenant on Yamidah. And in Yamidah, you'd probably thank Hashem for what happened, right? Beautiful. Anybody else? Mars. I would thank Hashem that He gave me food because I could clearly see that He wanted me to do the mitzvah of keeping Shabbat. And I would try to do Shabbat. I would try to keep Shabbat much better and I would try to improve every single Unbelievable. Week. Unbelievable. 
Jordan. I think like that I should try to say all my berachot that I'm gonna eat with like extra slowly, not like rushing it and then That's the unbelievable. Like, I'd say also when we eat, we could have a mind that we're eating in order to have the strength to serve yes. Hashem, to learn Torah better, to do mitzvot, to have the strength for being nice to our friends. So, you know, as we always say, we could turn every simple mundane act into something holy, right. into an avodah. And that's really what you could do as well. So that's great answers. Beautiful, beautiful. So let's see what Mr. Azar did. He thanked Hashem and enjoyed the pleasant surprise. Upon his return home, he heard that a man from his community had been in Memphis shortly before him. He had stayed in the very same hotel as Mr. Azar. That man planned to spend Shabbos there, but changed his mind last minute. In his haste, he left the food behind. Mr. Azar marveled at the beautiful Hashkacha Peratit and thanked Hashem for allowing him to spend Shabbos in comfort. So think a little deeper. This story has many, multiple instances of Hashkacha Pratis. How many can you find? How many points could you see Hashem involved in the story? Think through the story for a minute, and let me see what you guys can come up with. How many points do you see? Oh, Hashem must have did that. Hashem must have did that. Judah. I think one of them is that Hashem made him find the same hotel that a person in the same room that a person stayed in and left. That's so you're saying. Beautiful. The same hotel. That's number one, right? And the same room. Don't forget. And we said that the, the, the room, the hotel was empty. And they said, you can have any, any room you want. Could have put him anywhere. Could have put him anywhere. And he said, you pick. Exactly the same room. Amazing. Mickey, what do you want to say? I was going to say, like, you just have him in the same room, same exact room. He, he could have picked anyone, but he picked that room. Right. Beautiful. Beautiful. Morris, any, any, any other points? Do you see Hashkacha of Hashem? Um, Hashkacha is that he ended, also he ended up finding out that um, there was a guy that left food there, and if he would have stayed there, he wouldn't have had food. Beautiful. You said a beautiful thing, that Hashem let him find out who the person was. Yeah. He, the story could have ended that he found kosher food and he thanked Hashem. But Hashem got more involved. Hashem got so involved that Hashem said, I'm going to let you see that the person that stayed before you was from your community, and you're going to know who it was, and you're going to be able to put it all together. That's, a, that's an unbelievable thing. Why? Because sometimes you don't get to see the end of the story. But when Hashem shows you all the details, Hashem, Hashem shows you, I'm with you, right? And I'm going to show you exactly how it happened. You have to know also the, the timing, that it was the same week, right? And if he would have been early, Mr. Azar, he probably would have picked, uh, you know, he would have checked, checked a few rooms, picked the nicest room that he wanted. There's many, many different points of, of Ashkacha. Now, I don't know if any of you boys have one, but we'll point out a lot of times in the book we put, it happened to me. Can you think of a time you found a solution to your problem, sorry, the, the solution to your problem was there before? Share your Ashkacha Peratit story with us. If there any time that you can think of that you were looking for something or you, or you needed something and oh, it happened to be the solution to your problem was right there. Like Mr. Azar, he didn't have food, he didn't know what to do. The solution, Hashem says, I have it for you, it's there already. So that's a little bit of a harder uh, thing to think of, but that's something for you guys to look out for. That's Hashem. You know, not always does Emunah work so perfectly. 
here's a story where it's a neat package and it ended neatly and we see the whole picture. But I think by working on emuna in situations where it does fit like a puzzle, it will allow us to have the emuna even when we don't see the end story. I think that's a lifetime's work. We work on it. Even as adults, we're still working on emuna to understand that everything is orchestrated by Hashem. Yes. Once you're on the topic of, of, of working on it, maybe we can we, we yeah, introduce sure. the Amuna uh, the Journal. Okay. So this was really uh, built off of Rabbi uh, David's son, Shlita, uh, put this out years ago as a companion to the uh, Living Amuna series of Rabbi Asher. Um, basically, Hashkacha Pratis journal where a person will carry it with them and they'll, as they go through their day, especially if we're looking for it, right. he'll realize, oh, Hashem was involved with this, Hashem was involved with that. It could be as simple as finding a parking spot. It could be uh, finding the, your keys. It could be any little things that you saw Hashem was involved with you, and take out a pen and write it down. After a while, a person can look back, and they can see page after page after page. And one of the biggest milers is, that once a person sees on paper, wow, 10 pages, 20 stories, 20 days Hashem was with, it builds up a relationship between us and Hashem, right? When you look back and you say, Hashem did this for me, Hashem did that for me, Hashem did this for me. Wow, Hashem is with me. So writing it down, the Gedolim tell us, is very, very important. So we wanted to adapt it to the family and to the children. We wanted to adapt it. We called it My Emuna Journal. And you see we have the same cover as the, uh, as the book because we want it as a companion to the Let's Talk Living Emuna. In here, we put a little raffle. Uh, you could send it to the email, your stories, to mystory at onlyhashem.com. And we have the letter from the Gedolim. And basically, we have here a beautiful, uh, a beautiful uh, story about Rav Chatzko, how he... Uh, instructed his daughter to do exactly this, to write down any time you see Hashem involved in your life. And basically, it's a bunch of pages like this that uh, you have blanks here, boys, if you want to look at it. All right? You have a bunch of pages like this. We put a little pasuk. We put a little living with Hashem to remember Hashem in your life. And you write down any little thing. All right? I was uh, about to miss the bus, and I was two minutes late, and finally I got there, and the bus driver apologized that he was late because there was traffic up the block. Oh, Hashem arranged it. Right? You write that down. Hashem made there be traffic so that I could catch my bus even though I was two minutes late. So this is Hashem we're going to be giving out. And maybe, boys, could you, could you, you want to try it now? Yes. Think of anything that Hashem did for you uh, recently. Maybe, boys, want to want to give it a try. Should I story? But you boys are the first ones getting it, right? Yeah, any, any time that you felt that Hashem was involved in your life. I want to add to what Rabbi Bijou was saying as the boys are trying to think of something to write. I see Morris is already he's going strong. The more we do that, our brains start training ourselves to see things we, don't, we never saw before. 100%. We start appreciating things, whether it's our bodily functions, our kidneys are working, our heart is working every second of the day. Our eyes are working like one of the boys alluded to. Our ears, our mouth. You spoke about taste and smell. Whoever even took a moment to appreciate being able to eat 
and taste food normally. Right. So there's no question this last period of time has given us a renewed appreciation of all the gifts we have. And this journal is a great gift as well, in addition to the book, to help us keep developing our faith and our trust in Hashem, our reliance on Hashem. And as the boys are writing, we're going to end the program. I want to thank Mickey, Judah, and Morris for coming out here to Art Scroll. Very special to have you. All of you three should keep bringing a lot of nachas to your parents Amen. and to your rabbis Amen. and to all of Klai Yisrael, as you already are doing. And thank you, Rabbi Bijou, for the tremendous amount of work that went into this volume and how beautifully it's presented, how wonderfully it's written. Uh, I think you would agree that it was formulated in a way that any age group, even adults could pick it up and connect to it, yes. and surely children of all ages. And I hope it will become the go-to handbook or manual to take what was accomplished with Living Amuna and bring it down to a very practical level. Yes. Continued Hatzlacha Amen. in your Harbatza Satayra and your uh, instilling in children the proper values. And uh, I look forward to doing this again because this was wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We should all see Hatzlacha. Amen. Thank you again, boys.